This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah. And this is The Beirut Banyan. My usual rule is that I don't ask guests to return within a week or two weeks. I, I wait. I wait usually a few months. I prefer waiting half a year. But I couldn't get enough of your thoughts last time. And uh, I couldn't think of two people to speak to on this issue more than, more than you guys. And uh, you know what? I'm glad COVID-19 is keeping us indoors. I can take advantage of the situation. We agreed to do this just an hour and a half ago, and here we are. So it really means a lot, as always. Um, I hope you don't get sick and tired of me. I'll wait a few months at least before asking you guys to do this again. Uh, a lot of things are happening in Beirut. I, I think actually a lot of things have happened since we, since the three of us spoke. And that's only the last week, two weeks. And uh, things are quite concerning. And I thought maybe there's room for some rational debate here. We may not agree on everything. I want to touch on the most sensitive issue first, and then we can get to other things. Equally important, but I think the first one should be discussed. It's a priority. Just the uh, getting used to riots and maybe becoming uh, adjusting to the scenes of, of just rioting, uh, soft looting, damage, fire, low-level violence. I want to ask you both, and I'll start with you, Hamad. If you see this as a sort of a natural display of anger towards the really rapid freefall of the lira, and just sort of a, a, a logical way of expressing, or is there any room for concern that within a day or two, even less, you have protesters that are they're counter-protesting, against the protest movement and then you have more or less more or less the same kind of same kind of protester sort of turning and saying now we're with this all the way and that that to me there's hints of maybe i don't want to use these words i don't like conspiracy because i don't think that's appropriate maybe manipulation is not the right word either but it's just maybe there's some room for caution here that how can a similar movement flip so quickly and whether or not anything is being pushed on them, maybe they're unaware of that kind of push. And just, just your own reflection on, on that level of violence that we've been seeing, in particular the last two, three nights in, in Beirut. Well, to begin with, this, this level of violence is far from being surprising when, when you look at it in the context of the size of, this, of the financial freefall. Uh, it's uh, anticipated, it's expected. 
And that is without even needing to get into whether it's a good thing or a bad thing dichotomy, because this is not a dichotomy. This is not, you cannot say, oh, are these rights good? Are these rights bad? Mm -hmm. They're expected. They are to a large extent natural given the current circumstances. Uh, we, Lebanon, riots in Lebanon in response to financial crises is uh, not something special. You've seen it in most countries or, at least, or many countries that have gone through financial meltdowns. Uh, you can look at Argentina, uh, Berlin, um, Greece, you name it. Uh, there's a large list of countries that had undergone um, uh, civil, let's, let's not say civil unrest, but uh, riots and uh, low-level violent riots in response to financial meltdown. And to a large extent, I wouldn't call it rational, I would call it uh, expected. It's it's uh, it's uh, at least empirically, and I use that very carefully here. Empirically, it's quite common. It's not uncommon, and we shouldn't be surprised about it. In fact, we should be anticipating it. That does not mean that we shouldn't be cautious, uh, because there is plenty of room for other parties with vested interests to co-opt such movements mm. uh, so we need to be yes there, there is room for that but l l let's let, let's let's even say okay uh, there is this concern of uh, such movements being co-opted um, which is a valid concern here but even if these but but even if co-opting is not even there would the violence have gone away I, I don't think so mm. the violence would have happened regardless of whether or not such riots have been co-opted. The I underlying see. cause, the underlying cause, is a legitimate one, is a common one, which is a financial meltdown, and that would trigger some kind of uh, riots, which might, in its turn, be co-opted. But we need to go back to the root cause here. Can I ask you though, just in terms of, and I, I'm, I mean, maybe it's a mistake to focus in on the last three days, but I, I just yeah. like to explore that point. Do you see any? messaging here or any sort of uh that 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 this is not a spontaneous sort of letting off steam that because it just seemed that it was it was almost time to perfection and i don't think these things are time for to perfection regularly and i like that on you posted this on on i think it was facebook maybe or on, or on twitter uh, both, you, actually, um, okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually motivated me to reach out to both of you. That you're, yeah. that it, it's true. I mean, you see these scenes all over the place, from from Germany to Argentina to potentially to America, and New York, just a few blocks over. Yeah. You've seen that kind of imagery. But in the case of Beirut, it's just that rapid shift. Is there anything in that which you see as more co-opting than expression? It's very difficult to disentangle how much of it is being co-opted and how much of it is genuinely spontaneous. Uh, I would say the root, the, ro the root of it is spontaneous, mm. but then it could have been, again, there's no certainty here, it could have been, whether or not that's true is a different story, it could have been that certain groups have managed to co-opt it and managed to escalate it, but I would say the trigger itself, the actual incident happening, was spontaneous mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. could have been that it would uh, it was subsequently co-opted but uh, i think uh, when you look at it in the context of the financial meltdown going on regardless of whether or not it's co-opted it would have happened i see well do you have a similar sentiment or is there anything that you would disagree on 
what Muhammad said. I thought I, I would be agreeing with Dr. Faour most of uh, this episode. That's the first disagreement. Well, then you know so, what? I'm. <laughs> then, then I was I was correct in my assumption. I thought there would be some debate here. So, well, please, yeah, let's say what you would. Uh, where where do you find disagreement, so, and and potentially where, where do you see eye to eye? Yeah. yeah, where I agree with uh, Muhammad is that it is expected. If not today, it's gonna happen. Uh, I mean, poverty, anger lead to these events. Where I don't agree is that we've seen separate movements in parallel and separate separate areas in parallel, and we've only seen the violence in Solidaire. Now, I see it as a mix of things, right? Do you have uh, this class clash maybe where some poor people from Khanda, which is right next to Solidaire, see it as this kind of capitalist, uh, not capitalist in that sense, but they've seen rich people who are who have uh, uh, more than they could have. They've seen the class divide and maybe that's part of it. Another part of it is uh, many people uh, are just really angry, like uh, Dr. Faour said, and are ju just expressing uh, their frustration this way. But then we've seen some people who on Saturday had a certain speech and then a few days later completely changed. I would suspect that part of it, now this is just suspicion, I would suspect that part of it is driven from a political uh, background. Um, and so, well, sorry, when I, you I don't see it as one thing in particular. And I, by the way, I'm going to compliment you well on your diplomatic skills. You're saying Dr. Faoud, that's the carrot. Even, even, then... even, even, even though he knows more than anyone else that, that I cringe at being called Dr. Faoud. I, I love I mean, that. It's like, let me I disagree mean, with you. He puts the least we can give the guy as the title. That's I mean, how, how many years did you study, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, Dr. Atallah? No, that doesn't work, right? No, no. no. Not yet. Not yet. Well, well, can I ask you, though, then, in terms of agreement, you would say that there is an inclination towards rioting because of the situation, but the disagreement is that you don't think the last 72 hours were that natural expression. Yeah, yes, that's my opinion, especially that it was, it was targeted at a certain, I mean, We've seen tweets about Solidaire, and then I've seen journalists try that, uh, um, you know, uh, doing this to Solidaire is halal in that sense. Mm. And they argued that, you know, uh, even even th there was an exchange where someone said that, uh, you know, I am someone who invested in Solidaire and had no nothing to do with what ha with what happened, with right. what the company did as a company. with, uh, And I know what the company did is... Uh, very unjust towards many Beirutis, right? But uh, in that sense, uh, I've seen people justifying it that uh, it's acceptable just because it's against Solidaire. And then we've seen uh, the tweet by uh, Saad Hariri a few days ago mm -hmm. that kind of uh, he separated himself from what we had perceived as the uh, original 14 March, which is, which is no longer exist, but it was a further separation that would make me question things. Now, what is what I'm saying is the reality or not? I don't know. I cannot confirm. I don't have information, but 
this is what how I saw it in any case. Hamad, could I actually ask you about that that portion, which is the location, and that it's sort of driven towards it's it's mostly the same few blocks, so it's not like it's not doesn't tend to leave that area at least when it comes to that level of rioting. You've seen violence all over the place. Even in Tripoli, there's been that kind of violence. But it's not. Okay. But it, Beirut, it tends to center on Riyadh Salah, Sehet Shahada, and then the shops in between. Is there anything there with, with what Wael is suggesting that it's that it's just it's too convenient that this is sort of signaling as opposed to genuine frustration? See, I mean, if if. Sorry, Doctor Faour. Sorry. Oh, yeah, for God's please. sake! <laughs> uh, uh. Let's let's assume the class-based struggle is there, and it is there. A large part of it is. Then you would expect a lot of it to target banks and Solidaire in particular, given their symbolism. When you look at it in the context of a purely sort of class-based struggle here with poor people versus you know rich people etc etc so when you look at it from that point of view then i mean where would they target you would you would actually anticipate that the target would be towards banks and solidar given their symbolism here mm. so i wouldn't be too surprised i mean where uh, in tripoli a few days ago they also attacked uh, uh, some protesters attack BDL. Uh, the central, yes, exactly. It's central bank. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so I think there is a lot of you know, w w when you're having a lot of poverty and poverty is skyrocketing. Mm. Obviously, the class-based and wealth-based struggle will exacerbate and will be emphasized even further. And then any rioting would be targeted at areas or buildings or whatever premises that symbolize you know. Uh, wealth. <clears throat> okay, so this, so the targets are appropriate in that sense. They're the expected targets. The ex are anticipated. I would say anticipated rather than appropriate. Right. And sorry, Muhammad, can you just move the mic a bit from your chin because it's uh, it's crackling the. Yeah, that's it. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. You you sound a little too uh, 1945 radio. <laughs> 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 the nice crackle in the background. Well, then I'm going to bridge this into what would send people out to the streets, which was the rapid freefall. I think yeah. it went from 3,000 to 4,000 to 5,000. Some estimates were larger. I mean, social media maybe maybe took it a bit too far. They started saying 7,000. You know what? The actual value could be 10,000. The truth is we don't know where it's going to reach at the end, and it could get much worse before it gets There's better. There's no ceiling. Yeah. There's no ceiling, yeah, and the numbers were sort of... We're taking them. I mean, it's day by day now. So that that freefall, uh, the calculations that were made in the last two days, in terms of injecting dollar into the market, I've read all over the place that this is for the wrong reasons, and then you sort of see sort of links to areas where it could be for regime survival next door in Syria. That it's not necessarily to benefit the average Lebanese right now. Is there any merit in that? Or is that sort of on the conspiracy side? That no, this is a desperate measure that's necessary. And maybe well, I can start with you on that. Just just the motivation to inject dollar right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, f first of all, uh, you have to, to ask whether it's the right thing or not. Uh, we have uh, limited reserves. And these reserves need to be used to something productive, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And mm -hmm. then you have... Uh, you have direct 
like urgent needs that you need to uh, to pay for and uh, there's a debate to be made but at the end of the day uh, this uh, these reserves which are paid are paid from the depositors money which are the reserves at the central bank uh, now uh, you have to you have to understand that uh, Lebanon and Syria if you take them as a bla black box uh, there's dollars inflows to both countries and dollar outflows right mm -hmm. and that number is negative in the sense that the out outflows are bigger than the inflows and then you have reserves in both countries and these are the dollars that everyone's competing for right including now, the including in Syria the Syrian regime too it's the same yeah but pool. it's it's not in the my opinion, it's not in the sense that you you put a chunk of U.S. dollars and take it to Syria. It's not like that. Right, yeah. It's just that when these dollars are subsidizing uh, products and these products are being bought at 1500 per the dollar, you have a way to go take these products and sell them in Syria and make a profit of them. I'm talking about smugglers and right. things right. like that. Yeah. And this is where uh, all the focus is being. Some people say that, uh, yeah, but you're getting paid for that fuel or whatever, and you're getting paid in US dollar. But I'm not sure, are you getting paid in US dollar? I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm, uh, if I'm a smuggler, I'm taking Lebanese lira and getting this fuel with subsidized dollars from the BDL. So my initial investment is Lebanese lira. And I'm taking that fuel to Syria, and I'm selling it. Now, if my initial investment is paid in Lebanese lira and my prof, and there's a big profit in Lebanese lira, I'll take it since I can have access to additional uh, subsidies and additional dollars to buy and uh, further fuel, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and if you follow the Lebanese lira and the Syrian pound. Uh, devaluation since October, you can see a certain trend, right? They're both devaluing roughly at the same rate. But was this was this in any way meant to aid the? the I mean, I, I can't imagine that this is meant to help smugglers. That there's is a decision to help the black yeah. market. Is is the motivation to literally try to stabilize what's happening, or is it a misguided uh, sort of approach in that? Maybe it's going to the wrong actors at the end. Yeah, for me, I don't know, because I don't even know if there's going to be injection, right? We are speculating mm, on mm, things. Mm, mm. And if there's going to be uh, injection, is it, is, is it due to pressure that was happening, uh, you know, yesterday? Right. All of this, I can't answer. You have to need uh, to talk to someone who is an insider, who had, you know, all these conversations and... Most likely, the opinions you'll get are based on political, uh, you know, political standing. So whoever thinks that, you know, yeah, it is the case. So yeah, Muhammad, is there anything that you could add to that, just in terms of the yeah. the motivation? My, yeah, yeah. My personal opinion on the motivation is that this is a knee-jerk and desperate uh, attempt to kick the can down the road, mm. as they have always been since the 1990s. So mm. you know, uh, one thing about Lebanon that. I find quite that I found quite fascinating is that unlike most countries you know most countries that have a free market assuming that Lebanon is a free market had boom and bust cycles in their economy they had recessions they had booms but they also had recessions yes Lebanon since the 1990s <laughs> didn't have boom and bust cycles 
Why is that? Because whenever things get really bad, we manage to get some form of bailout and yeah. we kick the can down the road. And the, but, but the problem is that this bailout was always used in the wrong way. It wasn't... Uh, so we didn't really, we, we never really solved the underlying issues. And in the process, we always basically kicked the can, snowballed, the cri- snowballed a crisis that's there even more. Mm-hmm. And we've done that multiple times until the day of reckoning has come. Today, uh, this uh, I, I would put this attempt within this very same, uh, 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 what shall I call it, uh, path of basically kicking the can down the road. That's a trend that they follow. But can that's I ask you, though, what, what are they, I mean, I'm asking as an I I'm very naive on this on this subject but what is the benefit of doing of making that decision right now is it meant to literally try to stabilize the lira is that the motivation or is it is it trying to no. stabilize Syria too I mean I'm trying to figure out what 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 exactly is the yeah uh, I don't think it's an attempt to stabilize Syria I think and I don't think it's even an attempt to stabilize to properly stabilize uh, the uh, currency in Lebanon. I think this is a desperate response, a knee-jerk response mm. to buy time until some miracle happens. Uh, but one thing that they seem to be missing, or they might be aware of, they, they should be aware of actually, is that uh, uh, kicking the can down the road is no longer an option. Now, can uh, I ask you though? What, what, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. It's it's it has become so costly, and previously you could you could buy yourself a couple of years through bailouts. Mm. Right now, you know, you're just bur- you're by injecting dollars. Assuming you're injecting, assuming they're gonna inject dollars into the market, they're literally burning money. This is literally burning money to buy themselves time until something happens. You know, I, I read a tweet, and I think it was from Ishat Diwan, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was just a, maybe an hour or two ago uh, that there are two immediate choices that both are bad. The first is hyperinflation. You pump the pump Lebanon with trillions of lira and watch the lira just tumble out of control. The other option is cut the services in half and wait for an IMF bailout. That kind of both both are very painful. But is, is that a is that a real sort of dilemma right now that it's either Lebanon literally halts, or it's the lira just reaches beyond ten thousand? Because bo- both are very bleak scenarios, and bo- both of you maybe you, if you have any opinion yeah. on that. Under this political setup, mm-hmm. yes, there, uh, no, there is no option. There's no other option. Than those two. Under this political setup, as long as you're having the same people calling the shots, yes, there are no options. Well, would you see it the same way? Uh, in my opinion, uh, Rani, is uh, there's only one way to resolve the issue, and it's getting funds to kickstart the economy. There's no other way. Mm-hmm. You cannot do anything else. Yeah, I don't see anything else, right? So where do you get these funds? There's where the political things, uh, uh, you know. Unfortunately, economics and politics are very, uh, you know, entangled and you can't really separate one from the other. I mean, you can do all technical analysis you want. At the end of the day, the decision is a political decision. And so I personally feel that even though IMF programs are hard, they they haven't worked everywhere. They They failed in many places and you can debate why they failed or didn't fail. But do we have other alternatives? I mean... That's the question, and yes, I agree. It's uh, it's going to be uh, painful, regardless what you choose to do. 
either through hyperinflation or through removing subsidies or whatever. At the end of the day, it's the poor uh, Lebanese guy who uh, is out of work and needs to feed his kids, who is uh, the ultimate person who is suffering. And uh, I disagree somewhat with uh, Mohammed that uh, he said they can't kick the road anymore. Well, from what I've seen, that's exactly what they're doing, right? Uh, they, they have nothing on the line. You know, they have their political power and that's what they like to keep. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they have to be forced out of that through, you know, public, uh, the public, you know. Just to clarify, uh, I'm not saying that it's not an option anymore. Maybe, maybe I should have been clearer here, but it's less effective. It's not as effective mm, as it used mm, to be. Mm. Uh, like, you know, pumping a few dollars into the system is going to buy them what, a week, two, maybe months. You know, this is this is nothing compared to the previous method of getting a couple of billions in bailouts and using that to buy time. Uh, and my worry is that let's say, let's say we do get an IMF bailout, a couple of billions uh, under this political setup. It's just it's just going to be used to buy time again. So kicking the can now is really just weeks. It's not longer than that. I mean, this is I, like, I don't, yeah. as long as there is no uh, injection of outside right. dollars, yes. dollars from outside, uh, then yes, because they're running out, they are running out of options. Unless they go for this outlandish scenario of selling the gold and using that, you know, that's $15 billion. Uh, <clears throat> but that, that, that would need a consensus vote in the parliament. Right. Uh, uh, so. Rani, in my opinion, regardless, I mean, yes, uh, right now injecting dollars it is kicking the can, but it's kicking it like uh, maybe a meter in front of you. <laughs> exactly. But, it's become uh, less effective now. Right. But what scares me is, as uh, Mohammed said, using the gold, uh, doing uh, you know a sovereign fund, whatever it is, that new money that's coming in, if you don't do the necessary change, it, it's kicking the can. I mean, it is kicking the can. <laughs> and the thing is, we've seen that uh, with the latest charades that's been happening, that's exactly what they're still doing. No, I, kicking like, the can is their policy choice. The, this is still the bad effects of the old way of power sharing. Yeah, no question that, about it. Yeah. It's still business as usual. It's yeah. still business as usual. No question about it. Okay, I'll, I'll wrap it up with the final point, which is I wanted to get into your opinions on what we saw on June 6th. It was last Saturday. It was a week ago. Uh, both the level of anger on the streets and also the potential splintering of certain groups from certain ideas. I want to gauge your mind on whether or not it is appropriate at this stage to just shelve the Hezbollah weapons story altogether and focus in on more or less what we've been talking about the last half hour, <coughs> or is it still a necessity even when protesters may look at certain groups and say, well, we don't need to focus on that right now, that it's still something worth shouting something worth championing that it's not a it shouldn't be a muffled uh cause and i'm asking you this because i saw all all over the place people sort of hesitating uh people saying this is not their protest and then others saying no it's it's something that needs to be sort of demanded and should be thought of th through and through and it's almost like a divisive issue D do you see that as as still something that it should be at a on maybe not the top, but it should be on the priority list, or is it too 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 divisive? Where you do see the numbers decline, and then you see what we saw in Ainur Mene and Shia—that kind of the ugly side of Lebanese 
recent history where people turn to sectarianism and they, they shout vulgarity. And then the people I didn't even know about, Aisha, these things. I mean, I'm, I'm ignorant. So I had to Google search, who are we upset about today? It's like, <laughs> is this how it all starts? <laughs> really? I'm, so I, I'm, I'm ignorant, really, really ignorant. So just, is that still a priority to you both? Is it a priority irrespective? Or, or do you see reason to set, sort of step back? from the issue of Hezbollah and its weapons. Uh, maybe, Muhammad, I can start with you. Yeah, uh, this debate has to be there. I think in normal circumstances, uh, this debate has to be there, and, it, and, and there should be no reason to shelve it. Uh, uh, it, sh- it should be there from whatever side of the spectrum you are on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, uh, unfortunately, the way we do politics, the way we discuss politics in Lebanon is very unhealthy, it's very toxic. Uh, and that, that, that explains why people like me and Wael, at some when we were talk, when we used to talk finance and economics, you know, we used to abstain from talking about politics at some point because mm, not mm. because of politics per se, but because of the way we do politics. It's so broken in the country. Even the way we discuss politics, it's very toxic. Uh, so the debate normally should be there, and it's mm-hmm. healthy to have that debate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, I'm of the opinion that it should be there, but if if there is room to have common ground, you know. And uh, October 17 revolution is an opportunity or was an opportunity for that common ground where people are united over many things. Okay, they might disagree on a couple of things, Hezbollah being one of them. Mm. But, you know, when there is room for common ground, then we should make the best use of it rather than, you know, knock it out by or knock it down by uh, using uh, by uh, through uh, divisive uh, topics. Having said that, that does not mean that there shouldn't be other spaces to discuss these topics. There should be other spaces to discuss this, these right, topics. Right. But when there is a certain space where there's a common ground, it's healthy to keep that space as is intact and have another space to discuss more divisive topics. And that space should be there. So, Mohammed, could I pick your brain on that? What, what would the other space be? Is that more regional discussion, more out of Lebanon's orbit, or is it still a protest movement uh, debate? Or not even a debate, let's say a topic. Is it something that is should, in... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it should be a topic. It should be a discussion. Yes, there is a geopolitical aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not blind to that geopolitical aspect. But there is also a local aspect discussing, okay, so first of all, in my opinion, it's very important. So uh, arms outside the state are an issue. That's, you know, any reasonable person would accept that. You would never have a normally functioning state as long as you have arms outside the state's control. Uh, but so, for example, one of the one of the one of the debates that I would have liked to see more is okay, discussing more. This is a chicken and egg argument, yeah. And the chicken and egg argument is okay. Do do we need to resolve the arms issue first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to solve everything else, mm-hmm. or is this a parallel process? Or is it, or should we shelve the arms issue, solve everything else, and then go back to arms? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because when we talk about building a state, yes, one of the key tenets of a state is monopoly over power or monopoly over arms. But this is only one part of a state of what a state really is. There is more to having a state than just having a monopoly of power. So you need to tackle all aspects of state building simultaneously. One of them being the monopoly of power. Uh, so uh, the way I would have liked to see it is 
discuss the arms issue. It should be discussed, but in a broader context of building the state. So the state, which is, it seems to be, even though it's, it's discussed on the street, it's not discussed that way. I think people don't look at it, or I'm not going to speak on behalf of people. I think it's still, it's the financial pain that overwhelms every other uh, topic. But I like the way you frame it, that this is really about building a state. It's not about... Because we never had one to begin with. Right, exactly. It's, it's beyond a cosmetic sort of regime change here and there. This is really building a state. Well, exactly. could, you, could you maybe add to that? Is, do you see things the same way? And is there, is there room for that kind of conversation in the protest movement? Or is it something that you see perhaps, perhaps differently? Yeah, I think uh, Mohammed is more moderate than me on this issue. I have strong feelings about it, and I'll express my feelings. Let's put the mute on. Wait, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go. <laughs> yeah, I've been called many names lately, so it's okay. Uh, it's just more names. <laughs> so, my, my my conviction, which might be wrong, right? Like people have ideas and are convinced of their ideas and they might be wrong but my conviction is that since 2005 the main political divide in Lebanon put put corruption aside because they're all corrupt they're they're all in corruption but the main political divide is Lebanon's role in the region and Hezbollah's weapon that's been the divisive political divide fast forward to today uh, Hezbollah is in a position where it's a kingmaker and it's the main political, um, uh, let's say, pole that everyone needs to go back to to have a political position. So in that sense, uh, Hezbollah is covering that kind of corruption. I'm not saying that Hezbollah is solely responsible for where we are, but I'm saying it's a big part of where we are. Uh, if you look at the economic aspect itself on its own, you can easily say that, oh, crunching the numbers and everything, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was purely corruption. It was purely a, a central banker who is evil and everything, which is which is partly true, right? I mean, there's there's incompetence or there's uh, there is something going wrong with how everything was handled from an economical point of view, but also you cannot disregard the political aspect of it. I mean, people make economic decisions, as I said, based on the political situation, based on uh, the political climate. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't resolve that, yes, you'll get IMF monies, yes, uh, but how can you uh, de-root corruption, especially when you say accept one thing, then it's not anymore. Well, then, can I ask? That sense. Well, how would you imagine that space without the without what we saw last weekend? So, I mean, is there a way to frame it? Maybe along the lines of what Muhammad was suggesting. Is there a is there a way to kind of incorporate it? Because I see it as unfortunately, and I, I agree with more or less what you're both saying. I see it as something that's that needs to be addressed. There's just no way around it. Uh, it cannot be shelved, you know, for years to come. It'll it'll drag Lebanon even further down. So that kind of that kind of conversation, without offending, or for that matter, without without breaking the protest movement apart, is, is there is there maybe what would the space be if we're all going to be talking about everything, and we don't have to worry whether or not 
certain political parties butt in or certain groups butt out, that we can all more or less be on the same page. Where I agree with Mohammed is that you need to look at what's common. You need to look at ropes of communication, of uh, something that would not divide. But from a pragmatic point of view, there are many people who feel that Hezbollah's weapon is the main problem. And if you don't talk about it, that's a divisive issue to them anyways. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be part of anything that doesn't mention Hezbollah's weapon because they see it's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, we have on the other side many people who think that, no, that's not part of the problem. And, you know, let's focus on something else. So how do you bridge that divide? I think it's too wide of a divide that it's hard to bridge. And ideally, you would you know put it aside maybe ideally i don't know but is it pragmatic that's the question Hamad, could you maybe I want to jump yeah. In back to this yeah uh, would, again it's this is this is not about either we shelve it or we keep it as part of, part of the debate we we can keep it as part of the debate so uh, we, we should and i think we should have it as part of the debate within a certain space that maintains that common ground. So again, there should be a space in which people debate Hezbollah's arms. Uh, it should be there. Uh, the question is, okay, once you afford that space, once that space is there, and once that debate is there, and it has to be a healthy debate for God's sake, because that's something that we don't really enjoy. We don't have healthy debates on any divisive topics. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, once you have that space in which you have that healthy debate about yeah. arms, then, you know, I, th I think you could bridge that gap by having another parallel space where, where you discuss Hezbollah. But is that a legislative space where it should be parliamentary debate or is it a yes. protester space? It is at the grassroots space. So can I, I'm, I'm really trying to imagine it because I'd like to see that take shape. How, how does it work? Do you have literally certain groups protesting that issue at certain times and then other groups protesting other issues at different times? Or is it, is it still something that you can kind of hold on to and, and bring together? See, uh, in, in normal circumstances, you would have these protests and it's perfectly fine, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You're having people protesting against Hezbollah's arms, big deal. You have people protesting for Hezbollah's arms, okay, you know? And, 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 it, sh and, we should, and it should be fine. Mm -hmm. I think what we need more is not just protests versus counter-protests, but actually a space in which different people from different viewpoints on this topic discuss it and debate it mm -hmm. because the, because the thing is that that space in which you can discuss this healthily is not really there we only saw one opportunity there's only one opportunity that i could think of where uh, this was discussed in a healthy way was in uh, uh, albert costagnan's show the other day ashrin Tlatin. ah the, yes 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 between Samuel Ismail and Jad Ghusan, you know, they did discuss that. And, mm -hmm. you know, both of them come from fairly different viewpoints on that matter. Mm -hmm. And yet they managed to have a very healthy debate on this topic, despite them both coming from different viewpoints on that matter. And I think, you know, that space should be wider at a grassroots level where people could sit down and actually discuss it. It, it should not be a taboo topic. Nothing should be a taboo topic. Okay, on a, just a final point, and I won't take more of your time. Just yeah. I'll wrap it up with this. If, if it is not... Even if it is championed by protesters or perhaps politicians on different sides, yeah. let's say there's a unifying sort of agenda that 
let's just assume that issue is addressed and there are enough people willing to say time for any political party to remove its weapons, period. Um, and it doesn't happen. So we sort of are pretty much where we are today. Is there any room for Lebanon representing itself in a different way? Meaning that even if the regime is not interested, and let's say we all distrust what's left of the Lebanese regime that we're all protesting against, should there be some parallel activity where someone is championing that cause outside of Lebanon? Could be a, a regional sort of a regional push, could be the way we've had compromises that have derailed Lebanon over time. And Well and I got into that last episode, where agreements are not always good for Lebanon. But is there a way to maybe, maybe find a way at addressing that issue in its broad context, in a regional debate, where Lebanon, the goal is neutralize the country, leave Lebanon out of the orbit, so to speak, where Hezbollah does not have a comfortable position the way it does today? Is there any merit in that, a, a broader conversation? But Lebanon is representing itself in some capacity. So... The, the thing is, can you really be uh, neutral from what's going on in the region? Uh, because we've seen that, for example, a very small example, we've seen the Syrian pound devaluate greatly uh, due to uh, Caesar's law and due to subsidies that were removed sharply. Mm -hmm. And then Lebanon's currency followed suit a few days later. Yes. And so... In that sense, you are not immune from, you're, you're not on an island on yourself. And so uh, it has it has to be from uh, something from within. But regardless, I think uh, we're debating something that be, that's beyond uh, the movements on the ground and beyond, you know, the, the pressure that was put on Hezbollah from 2005 until today was humongous. And it didn't get to where it got, even it went, into a war with Israel in 2006 and it didn't get where it need to go so I don't think the debate will change but the mm. question is do you do you accept that okay you're taking somewhere you don't want to take in my opinion that's my opinion you're taking somewhere you don't want to take uh, you don't want to be taken as a sovereign country which would affect you know decades of economic and political you're, you're taken to a different sphere sphere should you shut up because you're in a bad situation you're bleeding on the ground and you don't have food and should you disregard it that's the question you know so i don't know if i answered the well no you're actually you're admitting something which is that it, it is beyond a protest movement oh, scope sure. at least the way we've seen it the last six seven months but then I having said that i'm sorry ronnie i yeah. wanna having said that that renders political change beyond the movements since Hezbollah right. needs his allies, and without them, it's kind of compromised. So do the answers, unfortunately, still remain beyond Lebanon's borders? Yeah, um, in my well, opinion. You do? Okay. And Mohammed, what, what I about I have you? a more nuanced view here. I have a more nuanced view. Yeah. Uh, I, so, first of all... <laughs> we'll mute Mohammed now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to answer your initial question, Ronnie, mm -hmm. is it possible to have that sort of space that is both geo uh, international and local at the same time? Yes, but there is one prerequisite for it, which is 
the pe- this group representing Lebanon should be a reliable group. I am of the opinion mm. that as long as this political order is still is still the same. And when I talk about political order, I'm not talking about individual parties per se, but in the way in which the rules of the game are in right. Lebanon. Yes. Yeah? yeah. As long as this political order still holds, then I do not see a reliable representative for Lebanon to push for Lebanon's interests in mm. such a debate. Mm. So I think so I think the prerequisite at least in my opinion, a prerequisite to a real and permanent solution to the arms issue is political change. Again, you cannot omit these political parties. They they have massive uh, popular representation and you cannot omit them. But the rules of the game should change. And I think once that happens, then, then this debate becomes much easier. And then since things are not too complicated, let's add another layer. It's I agree with Mohammed that you need a system change and then comes the debate what system do you want? And it's that complex and that difficult to resolve. And I like that way. You, I mean, the last time we spoke, you kind of offered that perhaps at times unpopular alternative, but you kind of you kind of addressed that it should not be unpopular for the wrong reasons. And I, I like the way you kind of framed it, the decentralization uh, topic. But it's true that that's the debate that has not started. And it's uh, maybe that's the debate of our generation. I think it'll take years. I think before we get to something like that. Next episode in six months, Randy will do it. Well, so I'm putting you guys down for January. <laughs> Sounds good. Hamad Wail, I really appreciate this. I, I really appreciate your 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 opinions on what's happening. I've learned a lot by following you on Twitter and just sort of having these conversations. So on a personal level, I'm benefiting immensely from it. So thank you to you both, and we'll catch up in a few months. Thank you, Rani. The pleasure is mine. Thanks for listening. And a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.